friends, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly. It's episode number 553. We are recording live on January the 25th. And uh, all is well as we, uh, you know, move closer to uh, to February here, I guess, and, you know, mid the midway of the winter or almost through the winter, maybe. I don't know. How are you, Abriana? I'm good. I am doing well. Um, you know, had a had a nice family weekend, celebrated our January birthdays, and you had a birthday as well, so hopefully you got to celebrate. We actually um, went and did that indoor skydiving thing this weekend, so that was really a fun family adventure. Even my four and seven-year-old went, which was amazing. Cool. Um, it was really cool, so that was, that was like the fun thing, um, and then this week is just crazy busy and we've got a lot of good you know industry stuff going on but before we cover that did you have a good birthday yeah so i got to celebrate uh you know this past weekend um which was good and you know um you know kids came over and i had a meal and you know um some some just some time together which was good and nice so i was uh you know, in the middle of digging out from the uh, the snow, <laughs> getting a break from that. So, to, yeah, the highlight of, of my week this week, though, is later this afternoon, I'm going to get my booster shot. So I will have three shots now. And uh, so hopefully that one is, uh, you know, doesn't uh, have too many negative side effects. We'll see. Well, I think that since you just had COVID, you probably will be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> We'll see. You have like they say you should wait like a number of weeks if you've had right. before you get your booster. So I've kind of waited like because I had it before Christmas. So yeah, um, I feel like uh, everybody I told that had their vaccines prior to COVID had more side effects than those who had already had COVID and then got vaccines. So um, I don't know, but good luck. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we've got uh, four stories for you this week, as per usual. Uh, all of them, I, I think I can safely say, are fully within sort of the, the pure location data and sort of, um, you know, analytics or retail plays. So I'll let Abriana kick us off. Yeah, this is a story coming from, um, you know, longtime company that's been in the space Vibes out of Chicago, I believe, is where they're based. And they have launched a new platform. Um, this is called Mobile Wallet as a Channel. And really they're focused on, you know, providing this new offering to retailers that they can use within the native wallet app. So, you know, Google Pay, Apple Pay, obviously, and allowing them to deliver these personalized messages um, and experiences like for their loyalty programs, marketing programs, things of that nature. So this is building onto their existing offering, just out, um, you know, adding in these features, which are also real-time features, real-time capabilities there. And so shoppers can download these mobile passes from a brand. Um, you know, it could also include things like a gift card. And, um, and then retailers can also send like these passes and alerts, uh, push personalized content to consumers, and they can also bring in locations. So utilizing geolocation can, you know, help, I guess, navigate to the nearest store or, you know, anything that might be more personalized about coming in. Um, and helping those retailers. So this is obviously de designed with attribution in mind, which I really love. I think this is interesting um, and helping retailers really understand like ROI from their marketing and loyalty efforts, you know, measurement and that data, we talk about it all the time is so important. How do you actually 
um, measure that lift? And how do you measure that those marketing dollars are being, you know, returned to you and, um, you know, spending them in the right way. So they're also rolling out another feature that they're calling dynamic strip images, which basically just allows these mobile passes to change and automatically update that creative um, to change for like a shopper's um you know, different, highlight different offers, different products, high, a, a different membership level, if you will, um, or loyalty program level. And yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. Um, I think you and I both have known Jack Philbin, the CEO there for many years, maybe even going back to perhaps ramp. I don't know, like I'm trying to remember where we first met, but, you know, I think LBMA events, um, there were so many events that that we've you know across the industry some of the mma events and sonoma um i i've been out with him so you know it's good to see that they're continuing to still remain relevant right i i think that like there's we've seen so many companies come and go that were in the messaging type of industry and i think it's great that they've found this niche and continue to iterate on things such as like mobile wallet, the loyalty play. I love the idea of the loyalty play being baked into your phone and not having to carry around some extra card to scan or, you know, have to type in a membership number or something like that. So I think that's really, um, you know, I, I like that it just is a more seamless experience. So, um, you know, I, I want to like take a tour of this. I want to see if there's a retailer that I work with that maybe is uh, one of their customers and see what this actual experience is like. But from, you know, the information that we have so far, it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I like it. I, I won't add too much more to it. But like for me, I guess my comment on this is that and what I really like about it is, is that they're leveraging the mobile wallet pieces inside of these, uh, you know, operating systems, because, you know, we've seen and continue to see the challenges with the apps and the location data and the other things that are going on. So if you can tap into sort of the native OS, you know, pieces that are there, the mobile wallet capabilities, and you can then bring those same experiences or some, some of those experiences that maybe historically you would have delivered in an app only, you know, framework, but instead you can kind of push those messages, you know, through the OS directly or those notifications or those pop-ups or those geolocation offers or content um, and do it, you know, you know, by leveraging the mobile wallet, I think then um, you kind of bypass a lot of the security challenges and other challenges that I think app developers and brands that are, you know, trying to put apps out in the marketplace are, are dealing with today, right? So I love the strategy. I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, this is kind of, you know, the route to go if that's kind of one of your, your goals is to reach people, you know, through mobile, um, is to kind of, you know, find those ways to either use SMS or to use the, you know, the sort of app uh, notification system that's tied to the wallet and things like that. So that's all I got to say. I like it. I think it's a great move yeah, and, and echo the comments about it's great to see Vibes is, you know, continuing to, uh, to grow and, and iterate, um, you know, in the marketplace. Okay, on to our second story now. Big uh, acquisition in our industry uh, was announced last week. Our good friends at Place IQ, uh, yes, Duncan and team over there, who we've known for a long, long time, long time uh, members, supporters of the LBMA, uh, have been acquired by Precisely. Um, so this is a kind of big consolidation play within our, our ecosystem and our industry. Uh, Precisely, um, you know, sort of, um, big European player in particular, um, 
you know, obviously, you know, very global in, in their scale and their approach, um, you know, focus on sort of data integrity and, um, you know, that aspect of things. Obviously, Place IQ, you know, has been very active in both the ad space, ad targeting space, as well as the, you know, data um, analytics uh, space uh, within our industry. And so kind of bringing these two players together, I think, is is very interesting. And obviously, this is being backed by Precisely's, um, you know, uh, venture uh, funds uh, that are, that have been behind them for some time now. Um, so, um, you know, I, I didn't see a dollar amount on this. I'm assuming it's a fairly large number given, you know, the, the length of time that Place IQ has been around and the size of their operations. Um, and I think it, it gives precisely, you know, a very strong, you know, sort of uh, addition into the North American market with, you know, Place IQ being based in New York and, you know, all of the customers that they're uh, working with. Um, but it gives Place IQ sort of access to Precisely's, you know, enterprise uh, client base. You know, they work with 97 of, you know, the top 100 um, fortune companies already. So I think the, you know, when you take sort of the enterprise play that they have with Place IQ's sort of expertise in retail and brands and advertising and, you know, applying location data accordingly, I think this is a really, really strong move. And, you know, we, we've talked about other you know, sort of consolidation plays, your former uh, employers, you know, with OutLogic now and, and other things going on in the marketplace. But I think um, it just speaks to, you know, the, the fact that, um, you know, these players that have managed to survive for this this long, right? Like Place IQ has been around for a long, long time. Um, you know, uh, we're going to see that, you know, those sort of moves now where, you know, the, the, the big venture capital companies, the big equity firms are coming in and saying, hey, you know, this stuff isn't going in, away. Uh, there's a huge need for location data. And, you know, let's let's start to really sort of, you know, put some of these major players together um, and, you know, go head to head, you know, in some respects with, you know, the Googles and the Apples of the world in terms of, you know, when it comes to location data uh, and things like that. So I, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of this move and, and I look forward to seeing kind of how they end up rolling out the, the combined ecosystem here. But like I said, you know, uh, Precisely has got like 12,000 customers, you know, um, you know, most of the Fortune, you know, 100 uh, locked up. And, and so I think the, the combination here is strong. Yeah, you know, we've seen some interesting acquisitions and even rebranding from uh, Precisely over the years. So, uh, you know, Precisely formerly was Pitney Bowes, yep. if you remember. And, you know, many years ago, they had acquired a company called Maponics out of the, the Northeast, rolled them in, you know, rebranded a couple years ago to Precisely, which a lot of times a rebrand will give you pause. Like, what's the, what is the purpose of the rebrand? Why, you know? Um, I think Precisely is a much better name, obviously, and it fits yeah. a lot of, of what they're doing. And so I think that they're making some very tactical moves here where, like you said, there's some very complementary things that Place IQ is bringing to the table where uh, Precisely has been focused more, um, you know, on a lot of like point of interest data, parcel data, you know, a lot of really interesting plays that they can merge those together um, and perhaps even enhance and and um, 
it, you know, enhance the, I don't know if they had a prior relationship with Place IQ, but enhance the product perhaps if, if Place IQ was using a different provider, um, but definitely help cut some of those costs, obviously, and maximize their offering, I think for sure. So, you know, I had to look back and see like how long ago did Duncan start Place IQ? Because again, we love talking about our friends on the show, but I had just talked to him maybe a week before this happened. I had no idea um, this was coming, but, you know, just checking in and, and catching up. Um, so it's really good to see this this move after, you know, after over a decade, right, with this company. So yeah, it's, it's exciting. Yeah, and, and it, it speaks to a broader trend. I was on a call last night, in fact, with um, the folks at uh, Geospatial World, um, you know, and, and that, you know, as you know, we have a, you know, the LBMA has partnerships with, you know, all sorts of, you know, organizations like that, the Open Geospatial Forum, you know, and, and others. And so, you know, those organizations, you know, are, you know, historically very focused on the world that Pitney Bowes comes from, right? Like that world of big geospatial data and big enterprise clients and, you know, sort of military grade applications and use of GPS and location data. And the world that, you know, Place IQ comes from and the world that we started in at the LVMA is much more focused on sort of retail and advertising and, you know, whatnot. And what I'm finding is, is that, you know, more and more those two worlds are getting smashed together now as companies from our, our community are saying, hey, we need to find new revenue streams. We need to find our way into, you know, that enterprise, you know, client uh, base. And and the companies that have been over there forever are trying to say, hey, you know, wait, wait, you know, we want to understand marketing and advertising and retail and, and um, you know, attribution and ad targeting and things like that. So, um, you know, and that was part of my conversation last night with, with you know, the crew over there is, is, you know, as they're planning their content and conferences and so on for, for the next year as we are, you know, um, I think a lot of that content is, is going to reflect, you know, sort of how we blend these, these worlds together within the same ecosystem, really. Um, so this acquisition to me, like, is right at the center of that. And I love it. So, yeah, right. and not to like elaborate too much more on that, because I know we ought to get to the next story. But it also I think that companies are realizing they have to diversify their approach because location data maybe perhaps is not going away but it is changing right the breadth of it yeah. is changing and and the use cases and applications are changing so how do you make sure that you're in a strong position to keep continue um you know these various offerings that you have and and that's you know diversifying something so that makes sense all right so head over to california here we've got a uh tech and retail display company called OnQ, um, that's O-N-Q, and they have launched a touchless yet interactive in-store experience through a digital screen. And this is rolling out as part of their platform that's called Converge. Um, so this Converge display control is really focused on letting shoppers um, control and navigate the content on any of these connected TV screens, right? And they can do that by scanning a QR code with their smartphone. So the goal, obviously, is to just create this experience that, um, you know, perhaps does not end in the store, but it can be continued because they've scanned this code. They're obviously going to the website and they can not only interact with the screen from there, but they can also probably have, um, you know, perhaps a, a gateway into um, a, a more formal conversation um, or connection between the retailer and the consumer. 
So they're using these to display, navigate on-screen product information, um, you know, as well as like different uh, devices have smart speakers and sound bars that they can interact with. Um, and, and again, like they're starting with the QR code, they're incorporating that either into existing digital signage or they can just use printed signage nearby um, and then link to the browser. So, um, you know, I think they're, they're also touting this as, as remarketing opportunities in the future. You and I both know that just because you scan a QR code and go to a website that does not necessarily um, like, that's not the final handshake, right? You don't exchange information at that point. Um, but perhaps you do have, you know, the capability of capturing more information and data from the consumer there via email or, you know, signing up for a loyalty program, marketing, you know, program with your text, you know, via text message or something like that. So there's options, I think. Um, so I like the idea of this being touchless one, you know, we're all germaphobes now. Um, but, you know, being inside a retail store, you're already touching things. I think the gross factor is a lot less than like, how's our, how's our bathrooms today when you're leaving the restroom? You're like, oh, no, I would love to tell you, but no, can't, can't do that because I don't want to touch. I just wash my hands. Um, so I, I think that there's like less concern of that. But, you know, just being able to take something with you, I can see this application for a larger environment, perhaps like a Walmart or a Target or a mall. Um, you know, I actually went to the mall last weekend with my kids. And that was like the first time I had been in a mall in a really long time. It was actually great because it was so empty and big and it was very clean. So that was nice. But I did have to go to the display. I was looking for the North Face stores. So I was like, okay, I need to go find this. And, you know, they have the interactive, but it was touchscreen. So, you know, I was trying to put myself in that, back in that situation, reading this story, like, would I have scanned a QR code to navigate myself through the mall to... Probably not. I probably just like want to see really quick where it is. So my two thoughts here are I like the initiative to try and make a longer term connection with consumers that would extend beyond just that one time in the store. But in certain circumstances like the supermarket, is it something that we are really demanding that consumers shift their behavior in order to engage with while they're in the middle of something that is like a pattern for them um, is my is my concern. So I like it. I think it's interesting, but some hesitancy. I think the application has to be the right place. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, there's elements of this I like. I'll start. I'll say that as a start. I, I think uh, I'm a bit kind of underwhelmed overall by the story. I think there's too many, you know, tech companies out there that are making announcements about, you know, sort of playing into the 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 COVID, you know, like touch free, you know, this that everything. It's it's a QR code right, that initiates an experience. And, you know, everybody's doing that. It's not unique in that sense. What I do like about it is, is that, you know, you know, once they create that connection, you have the ability to sort of, you know, create some sort of custom experience from a content perspective. Um, so I, I like that aspect of it, um, you know, in terms of, you know, changing maybe what's on the display or on the signage or, or what have you that's, you know, uh, personal uh, to what your needs are um, as the sort of consumer that's interacting with it. Um, I think, um, you know, as you talked about your mall experience, I, I, you know, I could see, um, you know, the sort of need to or, or the desire, if you will, to, you know, scan a QR code on that sort of kiosk, if you will, and then, 
you know, I think it would be cool if you could kind of change what's on the kiosk while you're standing in front of it and then see it sort of big screen, if you will, where you're trying to navigate to, but then be able to carry, carry it with you, you know, mm -hmm. along your journey and your path in terms of blue dot type of experience. Um, I think that makes sense to me. Um, but, um, you know, these, these technologies aren't, aren't new, right? Like I think, it, you know, the application is interesting that they're, they're, uh, they're pushing here and, um, you know, I, I could see some retailers and some mall operators sort of engaging with this type of thing. But, um, you know, there's there's been, like, we've had within the LBMA, you know, probably a half dozen members that I can think of, you know, over the years that have technologies that let you sort of pull content from a big digital display and kind of take that onto your phone and carry it forward with you uh, into an experience. So some of those might have been Bluetooth-based, some of those might have been, uh, you know, uh, near field base where you tap the screen and, you know, creates a relationship with your mobile device or other things and carry those forward. But, uh, you know, um, it's touch free. And so that's, that's the COVID angle these days. And, um, you know, I think if they can create that connection and people see it, then there is an opportunity at least to have a forward, uh, engagement with the, with the consumer, you know, over time. Um, and that's not a bad thing. So, all right, on to our final story now. So, you know, we, we talked about sort of that old world of location data with the uh, precisely, you know, acquisition. So we'll kind of close with uh, a similar uh, story here. So Esri, uh, the, uh, the other big, huge player in that, in that enterprise world of location data, has announced uh, an indoor positioning system platform. So it's called ArcGIS uh, IPS. Uh, for indoor positioning system. Um, you know, when I first read this story, I was like, wait a second, like we're in 2022. Why is Esri only now announcing an indoor positioning system? And I'm like, you know, everybody's been doing in indoor positioning for a long time in our ecosystem, in our industry. So, but as I read the story, I started to realize, wait a second, you know, they've been able in what they've announced here to pack a whole lot of feature set and capabilities into what they're offering that I think is somewhat unique. And in some ways, maybe, you know, by waiting a while here, they've been able to kind of pick the best of breed stuff and kind of bake it into uh, into their platform. And, and we know ArcGIS, you know, from an Esri perspective is bread and butter, table stakes, like, you know, the, you know, most enterprises, you know, around the world are using some, some form of Esri, you know, location data, uh, you know, that's coming out of that. So layering on indoor positioning um, as an offering is, uh, is interesting. So when I say they've picked best of breed, you know, they've got baked into here, real-time location tracking and positioning, they've got navigation and wayfinding, they've got location sharing, which I'll come back to in a second, uh, and live location tracking, data capture pieces, and obviously analytics and insights. So, and I say that because a lot of the indoor positioning companies that, you know, we've worked with over the years, you know, our LBMA members, you know, have focused on, you know, hey, we can track where you are and send you an offer or a coupon or something like that. Or we're on the other side and we're into, hey, we, you know, we look at the movements of people and we can give you analytics and insights as to what's going on inside of the building. Some try to do both of those things, um, but this is a lot more than that. Uh, it definitely encompasses that, but um, you know, the navigation and wayfinding piece that we talked about, you know, your mall experience, I think is, is one element of what you can do with this. But the one thing that I thought was interesting that I hadn't seen in a lot of the other indoor location uh, pieces is the location sharing uh, element. And so they have real-time location sharing. So like 
this is just like you know find your friends kind of stuff here we're talking about but from an indoor positioning point of view so where am i like you know we all go to the mall as a family but we split up you know let's say and you know i want to know where you know what store you're at Brianna, while i'm hanging out in you know whatever the sports uh, store or whatever um, you know, that is kind of an interesting piece of, you know, if, if the mall app that I'm using is, is using indoor positioning from a platform like ArcGIS here. So I think that's interesting. The other part that I really liked about it is, again, kind of looking at their enterprise client base that they deal with. They work with a lot of um, big utility companies, gas companies, you know, telecom companies, you know, banks and so on and so forth. Um, is they, they this sh sharing piece, you know, they, they highlight examples like facility managers or security managers knowing, you know, where their workforce is inside of the building in real time. Or, um, you know, um, if a maintenance issue gets identified or a bathroom is identified as needing to be cleaned, it can be marked and shared, you know, as part of the indoor positioning mapping system. Um, so I think applications like that to me are very interesting on top of the normal sort of marketing you know, insights and, and analytics pieces that are also available as part of this sort of suite of tools. So I quite like it um, and I think it's very comprehensive. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, not a whole lot to add there. I do think that it's comprehensive. It's like what's old is new, black is the new black, you know, it's just they are still remaining very relevant. And, you know, I like that they started out off on a very like spatial outdoor side of location and now they are going indoors. Um, and I think it's great that they're starting to really merge that, but like you said, um, in a very robust way. So good stuff. Yeah. So that's it. That's our four stories, uh, our show for this week. You've been listening and watching episode number 553 of Location Weekly. We thank you so much for your time and your dedication to this. If you have story ideas, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear them and share them on the show. Please give us some feedback or you know, share this or like it on social media or whatever platform you're consuming this. And we'll see you next week with another show. Take care, everyone. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.